This Washington Post Live podcast is sponsored by USA Facts, a nonpartisan view of our nation in numbers. You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. As the nation grapples with the unprecedented coronavirus crisis, access to reliable data about the spread of the virus and its impact on the economy is vital. In this segment, you'll hear from USA Facts founder Steve Ballmer. Let's listen. Thank you for joining us uh, from wherever you are, hopefully staying safe and, and healthy. We're delighted this morning to be joined by Steve Ballmer, the former CEO of Microsoft and a philanthropist. And we are here to talk to him about his latest endeavor, USA Facts, which takes a lot of data, a lot of, as it says, facts from all sorts of sources and puts them together. Um, Steve, could you explain to us why you decided that that this is the moment to be putting together a project like this? Uh, yeah, it's, it's actually an effort we started about, I don't know, four years or so ago with, uh, with me trying to actually understand our government better uh, by the government's own numbers. How big is the government? Where does the tax base come from? What do things get spent on? And what kind of outcomes? Government's not about making a profit. So we said, let's use the discipline that a company would have to do to report to its shareholders. The Securities and Exchange Commission requires this very factual document called the 10K report. And we started out on the journey and we've really learned a lot by uh, sorting through numbers, not only at the federal level, but at the state and local level. And, and what about the need for, for hard numbers, real data, real facts in the middle of the, the kind of situation that the country is in with the coronavirus epidemic? Well, it's more essential than ever, uh, and yet it will suffer from some of the other problems we see with government data. Government data has a hard time staying current, staying recent. Uh, if you look even at some of the historical numbers on the Affordable Care Act and Medicaid, they're two, three years out of date. Right now, we're struggling to have up-to-the-minute data about the coronavirus, about the uh, um, impacts on the economy. And certainly, if you're sitting at the federal level, you want to see those things consolidated in real time, uh, which is very difficult to do now since the prime place in which this data gets collected is at the county level. Well, I'd also like to ask you about something that you did last month, which is you announced you are going to be uh, donating $25 million to fight the effects of this epidemic. Um, and, and you're doing it in a targeted way in, in places like your own city of Seattle and Los Angeles and Detroit. What is the role of philanthropy when, when we're up in, against this kind of crisis? And how did you decide where you wanted to put your own resources? Yeah, it's a, it builds on our general philanthropic focus on kids and families in need. That happens to be where we focus some nationally, some in the three geographies you talked about. But I'd say the, the work we've done so far falls into a few areas. Filling in gaps on the medical side. We're not talking about long-term medical research, but there's a shortage, for example, right now of nose swabs. And before government can step in, there's weird supply chains coming out of China. Let's get that supply chain moving. Uh, let's accelerate testing. 
University of Washington tests about 50% of everybody in our state. They can now test everybody who enters the hospital each day in a very short number of hours, which is quite fantastic. We helped out. There are funding collaboratives, the Mayor's Fund, for example, in LA, that are worried broadly about what's going on in the community, put money in. We have found a number of, of uh, organizations that are stepping into to the gaps, whether it's food pantries or other things to, to deal with food insecurity, which is very important. We've stepped in there. Uh, we've also put money into uh, uh, focusing in on our existing not-for-profit grantees and helping them weather through, weather through this crisis. Most social service agencies are small businesses, uh, but not small businesses that are well-equipped to apply for PPP funds. And so there's a, a number of different areas in which we found to jump in. Well, I must say, and you know, a, a big role, it seems like, for an organization like USA Facts is really sort of helping people get their arms around both the, the size of the challenge and how quickly the, this, this coronavirus has been moving across the country. Uh, we have a graphic here, a time lapse. So literally, we have programs that go through and scrape data off of county websites and put it together in a database. Even the CDC has used our database for a number of things because we are, are scrounging around, if you will, on very, very local data. Uh, presenting that is important, but also putting it in a form where, whether it's Feeding America or the CDC or a number of other parties have been able to, to use it. But certainly the, the graphic uh, shows quite vividly the explosion in the disease it shows that variations, King County here in the state of Washington was one of the early uh, explosions of the virus, but you can really see that over time uh, and really down to the county level, which is, which is the most important or the most accurate, I should say. And, and we have another graphic here that I think really uh, demonstrates the, the shortcomings, I think, of the government response thus far, which is, of course, the CARES Act. People this week started getting their, their first payments uh, from the government under this rescue bill. Could you talk a little bit about that? Because we have the House and the Senate and the White House are all arguing right now over what, what the second tranche of, of funding should look like. Right. I mean, it... It's a great thing about democracy that people will go through and figure that out. What we can show you in the graphic here is for families that are in the middle class and people define middle class differently. I'm just going to define it as the families that are in the middle 20% in terms of earners. Those people only make $30,000, between $33,000 and $66,000 a year as a family. If you then take a look, which we have government data on all of this, what do those families spend money on? You can see here the amount people are spending for food, for housing, and for a variety of other needs. The size of the stimulus check is in green. It barely covers food costs and housing costs for somebody in the middle of our spectrum. And certainly as you get to the 40% of people who are less affluent than that, uh, these needs uh, stay fixed. All in all, what does it say to me? One month. One month of people's needs are covered, and we're going to face crisis quite quickly. Uh, the, the unemployment insurance will obviously help in some instances, 
but $1,200 doesn't necessarily go that far for, the, for our middle class. Well, one of those slices of those the average cost of families is that down at the bottom, that $386 for healthcare. I mean, obviously, one of the most immediate effects that we've seen in these this last month is our healthcare system is just completely overwhelmed by the, the epidemic. Could you talk a little bit about that? And we have another graphic here about this the sort of shape of our healthcare system and really is it providing you know even in ordinary times real value for the money that we're spending on it and is it equipped to deal with an emergency like this one well it's 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 very interesting you can see the explosion in healthcare costs um, almost tripling over the last several decades in terms of cost per person served uh, and yet if you look at our longevity uh, the average age at which we die, said from a man who's a little bit older, uh, that has not increased very much. If you look at the number of hospital beds, it's come down by about a factor of two. Uh, and there's good news in that, in terms of the healthcare industry getting more efficient and more effective. But then you need to have a different kind of a plan for a pandemic like this. There needs to be more temporary capacity able to be built. If you can take a look at these numbers in aggregate, if I was in government, if I'm in the public health departments, in the counties, if I work at the federal level, having a real strategy for this, I think, is quite important uh, given the cost pressures in healthcare and yet the needs to serve in a situation like this pandemic. Well, Steve, we really appreciate you taking some time with us this morning and um, really talking to us about what I think is a very exciting and very necessary project at this moment. Uh, I, we will be turning now to my colleague, Bob Costa, national political reporter, who will be talking to FDA Commissioner Stephen Hahn about the latest updates of, of testing. But first, we have this short introductory video. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.